0: Do you know how much I absolutely love doing this show? Do, do you know? I don't think you know. Welcome. It's Don't At Me. I'm Dan Dockage. I am your host, Ryan, Dill and Davey, all the crew. Behind the scenes in Nashville, you have no idea how much I love doing this show. I love doing this show because you don't have parameters. Like, did you see what happened yesterday with Kendrick Perkins? Kendrick Perkins did stupid stuff. Kendrick Perkins being Kendrick Perkins is going to do stupid stuff because Kendrick Perkins... Uh, still thinks he's a tough guy and Kendrick Perkins if you don't know works for ESPN he went on this profane rant they told him to take it down he took it down you know it's amazing when I went and wouldn't go on a wouldn't go in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife uh I got I got all kind of help oh there were calls oh my god you know and finally I told him to stick it and went and worked without out But I love the world that we live in because uh, you can say things on here, not within reason that you can't say in other places. So this is fun. Every morning at 9 to 11, we are here. If this is your first time, thank you so much for joining us. If you are a regular, please feel free either on Twitter or on the YouTube chat to just, well, participate. We got Libby's in the YouTube chat, mad about everything Trump did and no accountability. We got... Uh, righties on the YouTube chat that know that, you know, they're right. It's, it's, it's a great time to be in America and it's a great time to have a show in America where we can just chat. Speaking of chatting, you know, in Indianapolis, our little writers tell us that Joe Biden is just a very nice older man. Our sports writers tell us this. He's a very nice older man who happened to fall on a bike. I don't buy it. 50 years in politics, millions, if not billions, of dollars tucked away. I don't think Joe Biden's just a really nice older man. We've known about Hunter Biden's laptop. The media won't tell you, but that's why you have shows like mine and Clay's and Tommy's and Outkick 360 so that we can talk about things that are true. Well, guess what? Hunter Biden and his laptop perked up again. Hunter Biden and his voicemails perked up again. Remember, Old little girl sniffing Joe Biden says, I don't know anything about my son Hunter Biden's dealings in China. Really? They were on a plane to China. They came back. Hunter Biden and Joe didn't talk about China? I don't know. But we do have definitive proof now that Joe Biden did talk to his son about China. Can we play it, fellas? Let's hear from old Joe and Joe himself as he leaves a voicemail for his son Hunter Biden. About what in the Salmon Henry is going on in China. And an article that was gonna be in, in the York. In Paris,
1: Dad, it's eight fifteen. Um on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance give me a call. Not nothing hurt Just wanna to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, it's gonna be printed tomorrow in the times, it was good. I think it's clear. And uh, anyway, um if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you.
0: Well, it's nice that he says he loves you, but here's my, here's my question. Why do people keep these voicemails? Like, if I knew an article was coming out and I was in cahoots with my dad, I'd just hit delete. Well, that's obstruction of justice. Really? Why? How so? I don't know. And then when we decided we were going to talk about it today, the question, and this is why shows like this are awesome, the question wasn't "Hey." At least the answer to all this wasn't, Hey, uh, man, that's not great. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, that's not, that's not right. He shouldn't lie to us. That's how I looked at it for years. I mean, as a, now I'm just used to it. T Duran says, New York times, that's fake news to you guys. I dismiss it. Like you usually do. Well, I don't dismiss anything. I, I just pay attention and listen, see. It is amazing. Uh, the man of many hat says, y'all love being victims one way or the other. How am I a victim? Well, I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did ask you a question earlier, like if, well, the men of many hat, this came from, I'm asking a serious question that I think needs a serious answer, but we'll never get one. Look, I don't care either way. Like I don't care if you suspend accounts on Twitter or you don't suspend. I don't matter to me. I don't get into free speech. I don't get into nothing. But having said all that, didn't there used to be rules on Twitter? Didn't there used to be violence, hate, and you'd get suspended. What's with all these folks on Twitter talking about killing Many people, certainly a U.S. Supreme Court judge, and still being on Twitter. What's this about little, well, not little, little, yes, but older adult men my age at gay pride parades riding around naked with little tiny wee-wees? We've seen them. Well, it's hard to see, but we've looked. We've gotten out the magnifying glasses, and said, I think that is a pee-pee. No, is it an umbilical cord? I think it's PP. Maybe they're showers. Or maybe they're growers, not showers. I don't know. But didn't we used to have rules in Twitter? Didn't we used to have like, hey, look. If you talk about mass murder on Twitter, we got to get you off Twitter. Isn't that the way it used to be? What happened to that? Isn't it like if we... Uh, showed our pee riding around in parades in front of little kids or twerking naked or being in a rabbit costume with only the head, nothing else on. What? Didn't we used to get rid of that on Twitter? I don't care either way. I'm just asking a question. Maybe it's just, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just if you are on the left. I'm not sure. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Seems like it is to me. Of course it is. We all know that. Of course, come on. Pull this, it plays Jingle Bells. I got one guy on Twitter who has sent me 27 tweets yesterday. And I haven't looked at one. He's mad. He's bigly mad. He's trying to change my mind. One thing I learned is uh, you don't really change my mind and I ain't going to change your mind. One the also thing I've learned is y'all are nastier about politics than you are about basketball. Anyway, I appreciate you paying attention. I appreciate that every single day we get a Joe Biden dumbass moment. It's awesome. It's real, and it's spectacular. Thanks to my friend Dave Carroll. we will be another great show. Give us some truth, Double D. Well, the truth of the matter is you can do anything you want as long as you're on the left with social media platforms like Twitter. I hope Elon Musk gets in there and is fair and balanced. I hope Elon Musk gets in there. And you know what? If you do things that are incredibly... Uh, murderous like we've seen. I mean, I'm talking about murderous. We got, you know, how is it possible that we allow some little crazy people to say we're going to murder Supreme Court justices, particularly as one's already tried to. Somebody's already tried to get to Judge Kavanaugh's house, gets out of a cab. Next thing you know, what did the guy think? There wouldn't be U.S. Marshals? I'm telling you, these people are out of their freaking minds. Jill Savage said it yesterday. They're out of their minds. Mentally unstable. But that's all right. So we don't think that even though there has been an assassination attempt, we don't think that we should ban folks from... Mass murder threats. Mass murder of Supreme Court justices. We don't think so. Six or more. I mean, there's got to be a mass murder, right? Let them go, they say. They're on the left. They're peaceful. Really? Let's get into some deporte, some sports. New lawsuit. New lawsuit coming for the Texans. New lawsuit. What does that mean? Well, look. The New York Times had an article about Deshaun Watson. And in the article, it talked about how the Texans provided hotel rooms for Deshaun Watson to get massages. Now, there are a couple ladies that say, hey, look, you enabled Deshaun Watson. Who brings a non-disclosure agreement to a massage? Do you? I mean, when you go get a massage, and I've only had a couple. I'm not the most comfortable guy getting a massage. I'm not. Uh, But if you go get a massage or when you've gone to get a massage, any of you bring an NDA, non-disclosure agreement for you liberals out there? Anybody? Like, did anybody ever say, hey, look, before you rub my back, before you get down into those hammies, before you get my neck going, here's an NDA, you can't disclose what we're doing. Have any of you ever made a massage therapist cry? That's what Deshaun Watson has done. There's all kinds of jokes there. I get it, right? I mean, I understand. And usually I go with them, but my jokes fall flat sometimes. But you know what I'm saying? Um, The answer is probably no. The answer is probably no. Uh, I would say that 999999999999999 percent of people that go into a massage, you know, you go to Massage Envy or you go to whatever these places are and you handle lady. This is a non-disclosure agreement. You cannot tell the world what? How big it is? What moles I have? How hairy my back is? What? What's the problem? Well, they're saying this lawsuit that the Texans enabled Deshaun Watson, thus hurting the women that were giving the massages that have filed suit, the four that are left. Be interesting to see. A lot of people feel this will be thrown out. I have no idea whether it'll be thrown out. I'm not a lawyer. I've asked some lawyers. The number one thing involved in this lawsuit with Deshaun Watson is, did the Texans know he was being sexually explicit Hurtful, rude, whatever words you want to put in there. Did they know his shenanigans? And if they did, after they knew, did they continue to provide uh, rooms, non-disclosures, legal counsel, whatever? That's the bottom line. And I guarantee you, everybody shut up with the Texans and this thing, at least from the Texan side of it, will go away. Let's go the other way. Today seems to be, or tomorrow, maybe it's announced late today, don't know, uh, punishment day for Deshaun Watson. There are rumors out there that Deshaun Watson will get a permanent ban with a minimum of one year. That'll be very, very interesting. I think people feel like that's coming. Here's where it gets interesting for me. Like, if I were the commissioner, I think I'd just backhand the Cleveland Browns just for the hell of it. Like, how stupid are you guys? You made us look like idiots. You made women look like idiots, Cleveland Browns. Screw you, Cleveland Browns. You basically said to women of Cleveland, screw you. Uh, This guy is our guy. We're going to give him the biggest contract ever. So if I were the commissioner, and you can't do this, I understand, but I'd do it anyway and see how the hell it worked out. I'd make Watson whatever punishment they deem necessary. If it's a year, fine, whatever it is. And then I'd go after the Cleveland Browns for just being too stupid to exist. That's what I would do. Look, Andrew Barry's a good dude. He's a general manager. He was here by all accounts. I don't know the man, but everybody that knows him, he's a general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Everybody that knew the guy that when he was here says he is a great dude. But today may be punishment day. And I swear to you, I would hand down punishment to the Cleveland Browns. Next time the Cleveland Browns tell you of their support of women, don't believe them. Next time the Cleveland Browns wear pink, say good. Next time the Cleveland Browns align themselves with anything honorable, I was going to say something and then I didn't want to have to delete it. Take a whiz. (laughs) Oh man, the Cleveland Browns are full of crap. Now it's not their fault that Deshaun Watson did what Deshaun Watson did. It's not their fault. They didn't do it. Watson did it. We all get that, right? But the fact of the matter is they said, ah, screw it. And then try to lie to everybody and say they did their due diligence. They didn't do squat. They saw the opportunity to get a top-five quarterback. They short-loaded the front, million-dollar, $8, $8.9 million signing bonus, $1 million salary. They knew the dude was dirty as hell, and you can tell it by the contract they gave him. And I haven't heard one woman in Cleveland say squat. Mary Kay Cabot is supposed to be this writer. She, she hadn't said nothing. Everybody's afraid everybody's afraid of big bad Deshaun Watson. I say it damn near every day on this show, and I don't understand why. Why in the hell is Mary Kay Cabot, the female writer for the Cleveland Browns, not all over this? Where's Christine Brennan? Where are all these... So- uh, Mar- Nancy Armor who are so mad when I wouldn't go swimming with a woman that wasn't my wife. I haven't heard squat from these ladies. We all know why. Older white guy, Easy. Chicken blank white media. And that includes the women. Where are you? Drives me nuts. I'm for you. I live with strong women. I only hang out with strong women. I know what strong women are saying, and they're saying through me right now, where the hell are you? Well, we're going to wait, Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice always got an opinion on everything else. We're going to wait. Please. Does anybody ever defend women? It's unbelievable. Uh, This is the absolute non story of the world, right? Look at Perwinkle. Keep them coming, baby. I haven't read one of your things, but I love the fact that I got this guy on Twitter named Perwinkle. He must send me 100 tweets a day with all this stuff, and I don't read none of them. I see Perwinkle. I know it's slanted. I'm out of there. Let's go back to sports. Uh, Kyrie Irving opt in for $36.5 million. Really? Oh, uh, what a shocker. Oh, my God. I did not see that coming. Because you know, Kyrie Irving can go make 36.5 million from other places. My ass. Kyrie Irving, what's he do? Play half the games? Kyrie Irving wasn't going nowhere. But here's the deal with the NBA media, guys like Shams and Woads, they gotta give you enough crap because Kyrie Irving and his agent, they're big-time people. So they gotta tell you, well, there's a possible sign and trade, really? No, there wasn't. Look, I put insider on my bio, and I'm only an insider when I want to be. There wasn't no sign-and-trade here. There wasn't no damn sign. Ain't nobody going to pick up this $37 million contract. Are you completely out of your mind to think anybody was going to do that to a guy that's going to come in, be divisive, be a pain in the ass, act like he knows more than the coach, a general manager, and destroy your team? Now, Back in the day, it wasn't like that. Back in the day when he was riding shotgun with LeBron, dude hit a shot. But Kyrie Irving's always been this way. I remember guys at ESPN that went to Duke telling me, yeah, when he was at Duke, he was driving like a Benz, something like that. Don't at me with crap. Kyrie Irving wasn't going anywhere. Kyrie Irving, well, you know, his best friends. Oh, okay. So last year he played, listen to this from Kyrie Irving. This is what you're paying 37 36, my bad, 0.5 million for. 29 games this year, 54 the year before, 20 the year before that. 67, 60, 72, 53. Dudes never played. Listen to this. Kyrie Irving has played one, two, three times in his 11-year career. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I knew that. Three times in his 11-year career, he's played more than 70 games. This guy. Give him $36.5 million. That's not the worst contract. The worst contract's Malcolm Brogdon getting 30. First, Malcolm Brogdon can't play. Second, Malcolm Brogdon never plays more than 55 games in a year. The NBA is fantastic, baby, and I ain't mad about it. I can hear it right now. You're just mad, dog. You're no white guy. You're mad. No, I'm not mad at all. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Kyrie Irving making $36.5 million to play 55 games a year is awesome. Good for him. But don't tell me there was any kind of garbage going any other way. Don't tell me there was any other crap. Don't tell me there were other teams wanting to sign and trade. Don't even think about it because it ain't true. Who is signing and trading for that guy? Raise your hand. I'd stick this thumb up my backside before I'd raise my hand. I ain't getting Kyrie Irving. There is zero chance I want Kyrie Irving on my team. Zero. Nada. All right. I like this stuff. I don't know if you like it or not, but I like celebrity boxing. I ain't paying for it. I ain't watching it, but I like it. Explain that one to me. Let me explain. A few years ago, when Frank Gore was with the Colts, I did my radio show from right outside the Colts building. The the Colts did their training camp at their facility. So I'm doing my radio show. Camp had just gotten over. I got like an hour left, and I had a bunch of Colts players on during the previous two hours. Everybody pretty much gone. Frank Gore comes on over, just sits down, just wanders over, just sits down. Hey, Frank, how you doing? He don't know me. He goes, good. Hey, you out here all day? I go, no, just till three. You do this every day? Yeah. He goes, hey, and we start talking. I go, you want to come on the air? He goes, sure. Puts a headset out. We did a little interview. But it wasn't even that. Frank Gore was cool as hell. I'm all in on Frank Gore. I don't know him other than that meeting. Seemed like a guy just looking for a friend in a city that he just came to. And this face is that guy. Not only am I the 13th contraceptive, I'm the face of happy. I'm the face. Everybody comes to and says, hey, Double D, how you doing? What's going on? Let's have a beer. And I say, yes. So I love Frank Gore. What does Frank Gore have to do with this? Well, Frank Gore, in my opinion, is the prototype for the celebrity boxing. He's already boxed like three times. So now we got Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson, and this is why Adrian Peterson, this picture right here is why Adrian Peterson is going to beat the living you know what out of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, big mouth. Just a mouth. Great running back. I remember when I told everybody, best running back in the league, I love this patience, boom. But you see the guy on the right? I gotta believe that hitting Adrian Peterson would be akin to hitting a brick wall. Not this wall. No, that's drywall. Uh-uh. I'm talking about a brick wall. I'm talking about the kind of brick wall that my man Ryan probably went up to talk to in London and got his damn camera stole kind of brick wall. True story. He was in London. He went up to see a house. Lady and man came out. It was a brick house, I assume. You punch that house because you're mad you got your camera stole? Ryan, don't punch a brick wall. Don't punch Adrian Pierce. Guy in left of mouth. Guy in the right brick wall. I'll take the guy in the right. In fact, if there is gambling, these two are going to these two are going to box probably next week in the crypto center. I used to be Staples. I'll bet on Adrian Peterson today, tomorrow, or the next day. I don't know when it's coming down. I don't care if it's next month, if it's next year. I'll bet on the guy that looks like Adrian Peterson against the big mouth guy today. Tomorrow and the next day. I feel like Adrian Peterson is one of those guys that you got to kill to beat. You know what I mean? I know there's a bunch of kids' jokes in there, but I don't kid around. I don't I don't make fun of kids getting hurt. You know what's really good to see, speaking of Frank Gore? It's good to see the U, the University of Miami football program, Back in business, baby. Yeah, that's right. Jaden Rashada, the 22nd ranked football player in the country, chose the U. Why did he choose the U? Well, he chose the U for $9 million. At least that's what uh, his attorney said. Now, his attorney, of course, had to back up. Back up, back up. You can't do that. His attorney said that this guy left money on the tape to go and play for the U. Well, the truth of the matter is you can't do that. You can't go to a school because, ladies and gentlemen, they're paying you. NIL money is supposed to be, supposed to be, once you get there. Now, they got their little way around it with collectives and things like that. But the truth of the matter is... Uh, this guy's attorney says, "Yeah, man, he's making nine million dollars." Oh, by the way, wait a second, hold on. He now came back and said, "No, no, 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 I didn't do that." He issued a statement saying, "No, no, 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 no. Any report regarding my commitment to the University of Miami is false unless I was interviewed directly. All reports of my decision involving an NIL deal is inaccurate. I would never make a choice." For any monetary value. As I stated my commitment live on TV, I chose Miami because of the relationship I have with the coaches, players, direction of the program. I wish not to address the false reports again, as this is a time I wish to celebrate my commitment. Yeah, okay. What do we say on this show? Pull this, it'll play Jingle Bells. Rashad or Jaden, baby, your own lawyer said it. But hey, if a high school kid says differently, who are we to question a high school kid? Remember, five-year-olds can cut off their peepees because they know best. This dude took the money, and the you is back in business. Let's call it what it is. Don't do business if you can't handle it when people call it out and your own dumbass lawyer is dumb enough to make a statement saying that you left money on the table because your dumbass lawyer decided he wants to make you look like a big shot, but your dumbass lawyer don't know the rules. I love the U being back, baby, Uncle Luther, and the fellas. Yeah, let's get it going. Terrorize the campus, isn't that what the U does? Isn't that what they do? Yeah. I hate that the U's back. I hate that they were buying kids. But hey, there ain't nothing I can do about it. Actually, I like the U, but they're just buying kids. What are you gonna do? Right? What what are you gonna do? Hmm. Brittany Griner appeared, apparently has a court date set for Friday and at that court date, at least if you believe the clowns in the media, she's going to get another six month sentence, which is going to put right at that time, a total of 10, uh, excuse me, 11 months in jail for bringing vape. Now I got to tell you, there have been two things that have shocked me in terms of this show and the reaction to this show. First and foremost has been the reaction to Brittany Griner. Man, most people are saying, well, she's getting what she deserves. Really? 11 months for bringing just some THC to an airport? Well, she knew what she was doing. Maybe. Well, Dockett, you said you were with punishing. I was. I mean, a couple days. Certainly not a year damn near after this whole thing is done. I mean, what the hell? This is why elections have consequences, man. This is why when you're weak, and I know even my colleagues here and the other places get mad at me, but when look, Trump was in town. People were fearful because he was crazy. He was he was an idiot, Trump. But he had the respect if 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 for only out of fear. I mean, those guys got in trouble in China for crying out loud stealing where you could lose a hand and he got him out. And I don't know. I get it. China, Russia, different. Our guy Biden gave 40 million to the Ukraine. Russia's not happy about it, but damn, at some point, somebody has to, and I mean, has to get this woman out. Look, I get it. You know, other countries have laws and they stick to them fine this 11 months, man, five right now. The other thing I've been shocked at, and this happened yesterday, is the reaction to prayer. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because although I really like Twitter and although, you know, I look at Twitter to see how many people have watched our show, that in YouTube, I shouldn't be surprised by anything completely idiotic. But the fact of the matter is so many people are like, well, how do you want to pray, Dan? I don't know, man. I just think we should have prayer. I ain't mad about prayer in school. I ain't mad about prayer. I ain't mad about prayer. In our world, and I'll get to this at 10 o'clock, in the world we live in, uh, if you want to listen to clowns, actually 1030, if you want to listen to fools, drag queens in schools are fine. Prayer in schools is bad. Think about that. Just for a second. Drag queens in schools, in front of little kids, fine. Prayer, oh my God, we got to fire you. When you look at it from that perspective, it really is amazing how stupid we've become, how scared we've become. And you know what? One of the great things about being old is I don't give a rat's ass. And I'm going to say what I know to be true. I would rather have prayer in school than drag queens in school. If that offends you, tough shit. That's how I look at it. I've got kids. I would much rather them have to pray at Zionsville High School than take time out of their class day to watch some dudes dressed up like women, half-dressed, in a show where kids tuck bucks and learn to tuck bucks. That's just me. If you don't like it, go to Twitter and rip me if you'd like and call me all the names you want to call me. But I think most reasonable people agree with me. So, Twitter... Excuse me. So... Prayer in school bad. Drag queens half naked shaking their ass good. Okay, it's not okay. It's horse shit. Sorry for cussing. My bad. Nine thirty. I'm gonna change the tenor. Uh, yesterday on my show in Indy, we started talking about whiny songs. I got the five whiniest songs and there is no debate on number one. There's a debate on a lot of other ones, but there can be no debate on the number one whiniest song in the history of the world. Also 10 o'clock, the great Rob Dibble. Yeah. The nasty boy. Love dibs. Then we're going to talk about the Supreme court and it being smart enough. to Say, look, coach Kennedy, you can pray. Now, if the Supreme Court would go ahead and ban drag queens in our schools, that'd be great. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What a world, man. I know everybody's whining, but a guy named Bradley Beal, who most of you don't even know plays basketball, is going to get a five year, $251 million contract. What a country. How can people bitch about this country? Anyway, I, right. here's a backstory. When I was a kid, I'm a lonely kid. In fact, Dan Patrick last night, yes, that Dan Patrick sent me a text that says, you're a very lonely man. It was a mill. It was like, what time did it about eight, nine o'clock? I was going through who to get on the show today and all that stuff. And I saw Patrick. And he's a friend of mine. I just sent him a text that said, Stun. He said, Help me with this. I don't have a gambling problem. I said, Saw your name in my contacts. Text, first thing that popped in my head, you're a stud. He texted me back at 6 a.m. You're a very lonely man. I am. And I was a very lonely child. I don't like people. I don't like being in crowds. I'm very shy. True story. If I go to a party, I sit in the back, I'll have beers. If it's just us hanging at a bar, I'll hang, I'll talk. It's great. But if I don't know people, I'm very, very reserved and shy. So when I was a kid, all I wanted to do at my house, 1620 West 54th Avenue, Gary, Indiana, was play basketball on this slab of concrete at the top of my driveway. We had, you know, classic house, right? Little house in a little neighborhood. A driveway, you know, just went like that. And at the top, it was flat. All right. It was flat, and um, you couldn't you could barely shoot a free throw. So it was like almost 15 feet long, four feet on each side. You know, it wasn't very big. So you know, but it was my it was where I would turn on the radio, WLS out of Chicago, and I would shoot all day, make up scenarios, you know, do all this stuff. It that little slab was where I hung, and that radio is what I freaking clung to every day. And if somebody came down to shoot baskets with me, I'd get pissed because I don't want to talk to anybody. I just like my own little dream world. So it led me to a career in knowing top 40 radio. So what are the whiniest songs ever? First, number five, anything by Dan Fogelberg. If Dan Fog... The leader of the band is hired, and the eyes are going cold, and my blood runs through my... It may be great lyrics. It may be great lyrics, but I got to tell you. So, I'm at Indiana, I'm a basketball player, I'm a freshman. I'm in the car with a sophomore, Chuck Franz, love Charlie. Radi- I don't know Dan Fogelberg, look... When I was coming up, it was WLS or Super Freak by Rick James. That's it. Or Shake and Dance with Me by Confunction in my 8-track player. That's it. Confunction 8-track, Rick James 8-track, WLS. I didn't know Dan frickin' Fogelberg. So Chuck France turns this on, and and that's apparently what Indiana basketball players listen to. And my head was shaking. Charlie, what is this noise? This is noise. This is just noise. Leader of the band is hard and his eyes are going cold. And his blood runs through my instrument and my song is in my soul. put one in my ear and it does. And now a lot of you are going to argue, well, you know, Dan Fogelberg is an America. See, a friend of mine who actually just sent me a text. Leader of the band is a holy song. This is a Balkan stud sending this to me. This is the manly. This is a man just sent this to me that yesterday sent me a text saying he ate a complete jar of olives. This is a swarthy guy. He's got back hair for days, this man. And he is telling me that Dan Fogelberg is, uh, this is a Holy song. Huh? Swat. Leader of the band is hard, and my eyes are going cold and my blood runs through my instrument and my song is in my soul. It's not a holy song. Let me see what else we have here. There's, a, there's one I actually sort of almost liked. It talked about meeting his girlfriend and hard to say where love went wrong. It's hard to say just what. it's so hard. Auld Lang syne. Anything by Fogelberg is on number five. I think Fogelberg died. I'm sorry to say this posthumously. I would also argue uh, anything by James Taylor. Awful. Horrendous. See, I like lively. I don't even care if it's bad. I've said this before. You know what I walk into? I, when my wife is in the bedroom, I'll give you a little insight into the greatness, Ryan and Dylan. Dylan. When my wife is in the bedroom and we're empty nesters, I rip off all my clothes. And you know what I play? The Big Show. Uh, I'm trying to find it. Yeah! And I walk in in all my splendor. See, I like Lively. Leader of the band is tired. I'm tired. Foggy. I've had enough. Foggy. Enough. I don't need leader of the band. No. You know what I need? I need lively. You guys talking to me? You guys making fun of me? What do you got? What do you got? Here. This is how I enter the house. Maybe it's not playing naked. Yeah, now I don't know how to turn it off, okay. That's what I like. Leader of the band is tight. Ty- Number four. My love, there's only you in my life. The only thing that's right. My first love. See, Lionel Richie is one of my favorites because if you're like me, you love Brick House. My wife's a badass. You know what? My wife's walk-up music is, she's a brick house. Oh yeah, that's right. Fact. I'm going to play it for her when she comes home. She's been gone for a day or two taking her daughter to Boston. But Lionel Richie, for whatever the reason, and I get it, Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, on the surface, hey, look, I'm all in. I'm okay. But the truth of the matter is, my love. There's only you in my life. The only thing that, and also anything by Ambrosia. (laughs) But my God, Lionel. Look, Diana Ross, I'll listen to Diana Ross all day, every day. And I'll listen to Lionel Richie. A friend of mine went to school. I think it was at Tuskegee with Lionel Richie, a guy I played golf with. Said Lionel Richie, when well, they were in the same fraternity house, could always sling it, always sing it. But man, my love. Now, I think, I think it got cachet because, well, they put it in Happy Gilmore on the ice scene, and everybody loses their mind. All right? But the truth of the matter is, no. All right. Where are we at? Oh, this might be the worst, man. There's a dude named Robert John, the man with two first names. You know this song. Sad eyes. Turn the other way. Turn the other way. I don't want to hear you cry, Uh, sad eyes, I knew there'd come a day. You can't be serious. This song should be number one. I don't know how it's not. I'm confused by my own stupidity. How this song isn't at the top of the charts of the whiniest songs of all time, I got no idea. In fact, In 1979, on WLS, uh, 89 big ones on the big 89 or whatever it was, Sad Eyes was a top 10 song. Sad Eyes wouldn't be a top 10 song if it was the only thing I could listen to, taking a dump on a Sunday morning after being out all night on Saturday. I would rather have peace. I would rather have nobody bothering me than to listen to this crap. And if you don't think it is... I got something for you. I got a worse one. Lady by the Little River Band, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I got to be careful playing music. That's right. You're right. I forgot. But I got to tell you, Dylan, the big show is good. A friend of mine says, Handyman by James Taylor is elite. He's talking about the sex and in such an under-the-radar way, it's pure genius. All right, here's the difference between me and everybody else in the world. People love to read into lyrics. Oh, my God. What a lyricist this guy is. My world, the number one lyricist in the history of music is whatever the guy's name is that wrote for Meatloaf. I couldn't take it any longer. Lord, I was crazy when a feeling came upon me like a tidal wave. Started swearing to my gut and on my mother's grave that I would love you till the end of time. I swore I would love you till the end of time. Now here it comes. Do, 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 do. So now I'm praying for the end of time to hurry up and arrive. Because if I got to spend another minute with you, I don't think that I can really survive. Now, that's glorious. That's Paradise by the Dashboard light. See, I can get with really good lyrics. But to say James Taylor's lyrics are talking about having the sex in a, oh, what's the word here? In an under-the-radar way. Yeah, I don't know. See, I like, I don't know, I like loud. I like going. I like energy. I don't like, unless, of course, it's time to just have beer, sit around and talk. Then I don't want to hear any music. I want to sit around and talk. That's why I've never smoked weed. Because I would sit there and go, man, it's great. We get to eat. We're drinking. We're laughing. We're chilling. It's my kind of evening. I've never been a big club guy. Although I went. Anyway, Lady by the Little River Band. It's so bad, I'm not even going to sing it. Uh, the, when the Little River Band came on, I it was probably 19... I'm going to look this song up. I should have done it before the show. But the Little River Band was so bad that when they said the Little River Band was... I'm sure they made millions, and I'm sure they're great guys. But again, for me... No. And the number one, whining a song in the history of music. When this song comes on, you must, there is, a, you must turn the channel. Although, a caveat, I think everybody had their album. Kansas, Dust in the Wind. You tell me a whinier song, Dust in the Wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Same old song. just <sniffs> a drop of water in. All right. There was a time when I, I was two years younger than my brother. And my brother was trying to win a scholarship or something when he was like 10 or 12. So I was like 8 or 10. And we had to go to this... He had to give a speech and the title of the speech was, I am just one. All right. So like 10 kids up there and you know, as a kid, anything that lasts longer than three minutes, you ain't, you're suffering, right? So it seemed like every kid would get up there and say, I am just one. I am just a grain of sand. I swear to God, a zillion kids saying the same thing. I am just one. I am just one, uh, one pebble in a brook. I am just one. I am just one kernel of popcorn. Jeez! Oh, to this day, now I don't know how old I was, but I remember that night like it was yesterday. I can't remember what I did yesterday. Oh, by the way, I did lay 10 bags of mulch. But anyway, uh, that I thought was the boringest evening of my life. Now, it turns out uh, the boringest evening, day, whatever of my life was any time I had to listen to Dust in the Wind. Dust in the Wind by Kansas is the worst song ever written. It's the whiniest song ever written. It's the song about, well, I guess, I don't know. Uh, Eric Thomas said, Dan whines every day. Giuseppe says, Dan whines about whining. Okay. Dan whining about whining. Now that's funny. All right. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. I've never whined in my life. When I criticize, it's like a freaking man. I look you in the eye. I tell you the deal. And that's it. That's it. You know what I mean? So that's what I got. Um, One of the things that you got to understand, though, about music is back in the day, album covers were cool. And Kansas, the album cover of this was pretty cool the coolest of all time because i think it's the greatest album ever written was the cover of meatloaf's bad out of hell now i'm going to let you go look that up for yourself but the truth of the matter is bad out of hell meatloaf whoever the hell wrote one time on my radio show i said a meatloaf is a lyrical genius and every long-haired freaky people well you don't know music dogge because so and so wrote all the lyrics yeah i don't care um, it's Meatloaf's name behind it. He, he, you know, if he didn't write it, whoever wrote it, lyrical genius. So anyway, any song by Fogelberg, I would add. Any, can we put that back up so we can refresh? Any song by Fogelberg, I would also uh, argue that the Little River Band any song by them but I digress here's a story my little river story I was in huntington west virginia 20 years ago walking by a bar hearing reminiscing sounds good walk in bouncer says 10 bucks i'm like little river band cover is 10 bucks he's like no this is the little river band walking through the park and reminiscing Okay. <laughs> man, oh, man. Hey, if you can see the Little River Band for 10 bucks, but you're right. A cover band in Huntington, West Virginia, playing the Little River Band cover songs, I don't know if that's worth 10 bucks, but that's all right. Um, so here you go. Any song by Fogelberg, leader of the band is tired. Endless love by two of the greatest artists ever. You can make the argument that Diana Ross and Lionel Richie are two of the greatest ever. Sad eyes by some guy named Robert John. Well, that might be the worst. Uh, Lady by the Little River Band. You could probably put anything by Ambrosia, the Little River Band. And, and Steve, or what's his name? I was going to say Steve Taylor. James Taylor. By the way, I did go see James Ta- I, I did go see Steve Miller. And Peter Frampton. Did you know that Peter Frampton now looks, true story, he now looks like Jimmy Buffett? He does. He did. And then when we were listening to Steve Miller, I looked at my wife and said, if he'll just play that damn airplane song, we'll get the hell out of here. Jet airliner? She's like, yeah. He played it, we left. Same thing when I went to go see Celine Dion. Are there any worse words for a man than these I'm driving up to Indy back in when I started doing my radio show in Indianapolis back in the early, well, what was it? Like 2009, 2010. And I get the call from my then wife. Hey, Dan, great news. I'm like, all right. Great news. We got tickets to Celine Dion. We do? That's great news. So I go. We actually had a good night. It was an indie. Went next door. Had a couple cocktails, a little bit of steaks some wine. Great time. Got prepped pregame. Seats were right in front of the stage. All the way back, first row upper deck, and you could see right at the stage. It was good. So we're there. It's my brother, another couple, his wife, you know. And my brother looks at me, and about three songs in, he goes, you know what, we're screwed. I said, what happened? He goes, she ain't playing the Titanic song till the last song, so that means we got to stay through all this. I'm like, yeah, we are Sure enough, when did the Titanic song come on? Last, we had to stay for the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. And then, of course, dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. I bet you dust in the wind sold more albums or more songs, how many did Dust in the Wind sell? I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know what to say about how many albums. You know, do you say how many albums did it sell? Uh, The 45 single, 1 million units. That's right. After the height of its popularity. So, after the height of its popularity, it still went out and sold a million units. These dudes made a lot of money off Dust in the Wind. And I think it's the worst song ever. <laughs> all we are is dust. And we- are you tired of this segment yet? Because I'm not. I'm not at all. No, I could do this forever and ever. I could do shows like this where we just talk about stupid, inane stuff from nine until three. I had a guy tell me the other day, he goes, hey, hey, I love when you talk about nothing. Anyone can talk about sports. I like when you talk about nothing. Me too. Me too. Anyway, all right, we come back. We got the great Rob Dibble. Are you kidding me? Look, in an era where, I don't know, everybody whines or everybody's got something to say, Dibbs was one of the great relief pitchers in one of the great in the history of baseball relief pitching groups. They were the Nasty Boys, Norm Charlton, Myers. That was Myers' first name. Norm Charlton, Myers, Rob Dibble. Rob Dibble once threw a baseball from the mound to center field. Rob Dibble had passion. See, I like guys like Rob Dibble. One of the reasons that I can't stand, well, one of the things in this world that I can't stand is quiet people. Like people that just look at you. Don't look at me. Do something. Sing something. I just, it's just not my thing. All right, when we come back, dibs. Based on the numbers on Facebook, I don't think that segment went great. But I ain't even mad about it because, frankly, we got dibs coming up next. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me Across the Outkick Network. I'm going to get this out of the way. There is no Reds Hall of Fame without the Nasty Boys in it. All three. Randy Myers, Norm Charlton, and my man, Rob Dibble. I'm getting that out of the way early, Dibs, because it's ridiculous. Um, anything else? <laughs> like, has anything
1: transpired? No. They don't even – they they actually uh, send Norm, Randy, and myself – uh, ballots for other guys. How about that? What? Hey, you guys vote on other guys into the Hall of Fame, but you can't get in the Hall of Fame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. How about that? Man, All right, that's that's ridiculous. Dude, like, am I did you guys piss people off with the reds?
1: No. No, I Listen, they, you know, they've got some other people they want to put in there before us, but you know, we've we've become accustomed to waiting and and hopefully someday we get in. If we don't, it's okay. You know, we've we've done everything we could possibly do on a baseball field. You can't go back now and change some of your statistics or how long you played, but I think that our credentials speak for themselves.
0: I don't think there's any question. Dibs, let me ask you, why are the Yankees so good late when they're down? Like last night, they did it again.
1: Well, I mean, the the one thing about the Yankees is some of the guys that were underperforming are now starting to perform a little bit better. You know, and guys like, you know, Kiner Falefa or Aaron Hicks or even Joey Gallo, some of these guys, they're still uh, game changers on their own. I mean, you have an all star team. And, you know, Glaver Torres is having a decent year. Um, if you look at other guys that, that are versatile like him, he's probably got some of the best power numbers out there. So, you know, Stanton has heated up. I think he has like four home runs in the last five games. And the, and the pitching has been very solid. You know, even when Cortez goes five innings, gives up three runs, he's going to give you an opportunity to win with that bullpen. And they're not even 100% healthy. Zach Britton's still out. Chad Green's out. Or this Chapman's out. You know, and, and, you know, guys like Michael King and, and Holmes are just fantastic young arms. So the, the Yankees have an abundance of talent. Uh, a lot of these other teams that, that can't match up depth wise, meaning their bullpens aren't that good. Their, their starters can't go through the batting order twice without getting just destroyed. So that's, that's one of the reasons that they have these opportunities. Uh, even if they're down three or four or five runs, They're they're not worried about that because they know they could do that in one inning like they did last night. They scored five runs in one inning.
0: Judge, firing away the MVP?
1: No. No. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that are having great years. Uh, Ramirez on the Indians on a a not great team is having a great year. You know, you've got guys all over the American League that are having great years. So I, I think still three months to go. There's still 90 games to go. A lot of things can happen.
0: All right, so, Dibs, I have no idea where you stand on this, but I think I do. The other day, a friend of mine is a broadcaster for the uh, South Bend Cubs. They're on the Marquee Network, so I'm watching. And I realize, Dibs, there is a pitch clock and I absolutely loved the pitch clock. Like, I loved it. Where are you at with the pitch clock? I think next year, year after, whatever, it's coming into the bigs. I watched it. I thought it was the greatest thing ever.
1: Here's the problem with the pitch clock. And I was just down in Brooklyn at an uh, A-ball game. And tomorrow I'm going to a double-A game. And I've been watching pitch clocks for the last couple of years. And th- this is the mathematics that they don't use when people describe it. Oh, it's 45 minutes uh, shorter than a major league game. Okay. There's no TV. There's no two and a half minutes, three minutes, three and a half minutes. Right. In between every half inning. So if you put that back into, like I was at the Brooklyn Cyclones game, it lasted two hours and 15 minutes. Unbelievably quick. Got there right before the game, six o'clock, out of there, 8.15. So I, I understand you know, people love the pitch clock and, you know, but here, here's the thing that you're taught at a very young age. If you, you have any coaches or pitching coaches that have any kind of, uh, you know, baseball acumen, you want to keep your, your players involved. You want to keep them on the balls of their feet. So you have to work in a, in a certain, you know, groove and, and stay quick. You don't want to be like a human rain delay. So, you know, nobody's going to take 30 seconds in between pitches. They, they, you wouldn't make it to the big league. They'd be like, listen, you're too slow. You know, the defense makes errors behind you because they fall asleep. They get back on their heels. You can't play defense that way. So, you know, the pitch clock is not a new invention. It's just it, it's basically telling these guys. And here's the thing. When, when a guy is walking up to the, the <clears throat> plate, the clock is 30 seconds. It's, there's different pitch clocks. Uh, when there's nobody on base, it's 20 seconds. When there's a guy on base, it's 15 seconds. So, you know, it, it, you know, if you had more consistency in saying, okay, it's going to be 20 seconds all the time. So the batter's got to get from the dugout into the batter's box. I mean, you really want to speed things up. Guys can't be like, you know, uh, lollygagging it from here to there and things like that. So I, I have no problem with the pitch clock. But honestly, the way I was taught the game, and if you ever watch the Tom Browning, Outing, it was, uh, you know, two hours, two hours and 10 minutes. If you ever watch the best pitchers in baseball that throw strikes, uh, get in, get out, uh, go hard, you know, um, those are the guys that that do very well because their defense is in tune with them and they don't need a pitch clock.
0: I get that. No, I totally get that. Would you as a pitcher be affected by the different times? Would that even factor in? Uh, and, and do you 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 train pitchers? I mean, do you talk to them about? Hey, look, don't even worry about it. Just just pitch. If you pitch like a human being and not a human rain delay, you're going to be fine. I mean, how, how does it work when you're trying to teach kids coming up?
1: Listen, I, I teach them to throw strikes first. I'm not worried about pitch clocks. Yeah, kids, uh, and I'm teaching kids yeah. from eight to seventeen years old. And I'm like throw it over the plate, two and zero, oh, three and one. Let your defense help you. And the only way your defense is going to help you is by throwing strikes. So if I could get through the first part of teaching pitchers what to do, um, the the pitch clock would be easy. I I don't think it would affect them. Uh, It wouldn't have affected me. You know, I I didn't think of anything except me and the batter and doing my job. So I I, I think, you know, pitch clocks, uh, you know, limiting the. Um, guys going out and talking to the pitchers and stuff like that. I mean, I'm listening to a game the other night, um, and and I watch all the Mets and Red Sox and Yankees games, and and you know, watch even the playbacks the next day when they cut out the commercials. And you know, I'm listening to the announcers talking about, well, you know, you can't go out and talk to the pitcher, and oh my God, that's you know, that's uh, a visit to the Mets. That's garbage. It's just complete garbage because part of what you're doing is trying to slow down the other team. And if we, if we can slow down the other team, and, and it, it's just the same thing you used to do in basketball. It's the same thing you do in football. You know, you're, you're trying to slow down the other team. In, in the neutral zone defense in the NHL, it's all part of the, the game planning and, and how you're trying to win the game. So, you know, if, if I were to tell the kids, hey, by the way, you have a pitch clock, 15 seconds, 20 seconds. You know, you, you got you to gotta pay attention to that stuff. These kids would be out of control. Be out of control.
0: Hey, Dibs, who do you like watching pitch? Like in the bigs, you know, like is there somebody that maybe somebody doesn't know? Because you're the biggest baseball fan that I know. Uh, who do you like
1: watching? Um, I mean, there's so many guys. The Astros have a lot of great pitchers. Uh, you know, Yankees. I, I love N- Nestor Cortez. You know, a guy like Nestor Cortez is a guy that has to use three to five pitches, change speeds from 75 to 92 miles an hour that's a pitcher. That's a guy. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. He uses his defense. He pitches the contact. Um, But I I think at this stage of, of their careers, Justin Verlander is probably the best pitcher in the major leagues with Adam Wainwright, Michael Walker, guys like that. I mean, they're just absolutely phenomenal to watch. They don't walk people. They have to pitch the contact. And that's the way I was taught, you know, even though I was a power pitcher, I was taught, listen, if, if a right-handed hitter's up, and when I came up, I had to face the Mike Schmidt, the Dale Murphys, and the, and the power-hitting right-handed guys, the Pedro Guerreros, uh, people like that. So uh, Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, those are the guys that Pete, Pete Rose was like, hey, go get that guy out. And so it's you're not just going to throw 98 by anybody. They're going to hit it. I mean, Aaron Judge, Stanton, these guys, uh, the, the kid that plays shortstop for the Pirates, 6'7". They're athletes. They, they get hit 110-mile-an-hour fastball. Don't kid yourself. So, for me, I was always pitching to contact. I was always throwing 95 miles an hour off the plate on the left-hand side, uh, you know, towards the first base uh, bag on a right-handed hitter. He's going to ground it to my, oh, future Hall of Fame shortstop who's going to throw the guy out at first. And that and that was the mental, you know, I, I was always visualizing that kind of stuff. If I got inside on somebody's hands, I'm going to snap the bat off in his hand or I'm going to jam him. He's going to pop it up. He's going to ground out. So, you know, one of the reasons why I was effective wasn't trying to strike guys out. It was trying to not throw so many pitches. So if I could throw one pitch, get a ground ball, get a double play, get out of an inning. That's what I teach kids. You can have one out guy on first. You're one pitch from getting out of the inning. That's what I try to teach, you know, and everybody's like, well, I want to strike everybody out. Yeah. Well, you're going to wear yourself out. If you watch pitching now, Guys average 20 pitches per inning. You know how I was taught? Throw 10 to 12 pitches per inning. And you're going to last through seven or eight innings. So, you know, the best pitchers are the guys that throw the fewest amount of pitches. The guy I respected the most, and I think it was one of the greatest pitchers of all time, was Greg Maddox. And if you look at some of his numbers, statistically over the course of his career, averaged 77 pitches per nine innings. Think about that today. 77 pitches per nine innings. These guys throw 77 pitches in three innings, four innings. It's, it's, it's just trash because they're being taught by people that don't know the game. They don't know about economics. They don't know about – you talk about analytics. Analytics is three pitches, three outs. That's the best way you can, you know, pitch an inning. You know, people are all, you throw an immaculate inning, you struck out, you know, three guys on nine pitches. Honestly, honestly, Dan, I wish I could have thrown three pitches and gotten off the field it probably would have saved my career and I wouldn't have had just seven years in the big league. So, you know, to, to me, there's so many people that don't understand baseball that are teaching a, a backward method to these young kids. And then they get to the major leagues and they're out by the fifth inning. They've thrown a hundred pitches. They're they're out of there after 15 outs, And, and a lot of times they're not in line for the win.
0: I've, think I know the answer to this, but let me go back to Maddox. Can you be a power pitcher and throw like Greg Maddox? I'm or, or, sorry, pitch like Greg Maddox? 100%.
1: 100%. I, I came up through the minor leagues with Greg. Uh, people never saw him when he was younger. He used to throw 95 to 97 and throw and try to throw it by you every time. All day, every day, he was like Noah Syndergaard, uh, Jacob deGrom, Max effort every pitch. Then he gets with some really good – uh, pitching coaches, including like Dick Pole, uh, you know uh, Connors, uh, Billy Connors, with the Cubs, they were amazing, and that's why the Yankees kept Billy Connors around for everybody. Whenever anybody was screwed up, they sent them to Tampa to Billy Connors because those people knew how to teach pitching. They knew how to teach you how to get ground balls, how to move a two seam fastball from the left handed batter's box over the outside part of the plate, and have the have the right handed hitter free. And be like, that's a ball. Oh, strike. You know, I mean, so honestly, you know, Greg, once he learned how to pitch and, and manipulate balls by, by the grip, that's all I teach now. I'm trying to teach these kids. Dan, I will get 12-year-old kids that have never been properly taught how to grip a baseball, don't know what a four-seam fastball is from a two-seam fastball to save their lives. And then they'll argue with me will argue with me. Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. My dad taught me this. And I swear to God, Dan, I, I just laughed. And I'm like, you're right. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's what we're up against. You're, you're, you've you're you got daddy baseball all over the place. Uh, you've got, oh, my God, go to YouTube. Go to TikTok. Go to Instagram. Watch the ridiculous videos. I'm going to tell you a video I just watched the other day. This guy's complete garbage, whoever this guy is. He's got a kid up, you know, the stands like, you know, for football players or weightlifters, they jump off about, you know, two feet and they step back down, up and down, up and down to build up their legs. This guy has this young kid, this kid's about 10 years old. He's holding his glove hand and he's got him teetering back on this like thing, two feet off the ground. And the kid's about eight to 10 years old. And then he has the kid fall off of this thing and throw a pitch, not using his back leg, going to destroy this kid's arm, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm talking about I've been around baseball 50 years, and I've never seen more garbage, and it's out there, and there's hundreds and thousands of like, oh, this guy's a genius. This guy's an idiot, and he's going to kill these kids' arms. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot more, you know, former players like myself that are trying to get into to the lower r- levels and teach. Jim Riggleman just went back to – rookie baseball so we can get with the kids at a younger age and teach some proper hitting and fielding and, and throwing mechanics you know and, and it's tough man when you've got ivy league people making these people believe that their method is better than a, a method that's been taught for 140 years it, it's going to be an uproad uh, up, uphill battle to try to get the game back to being normal
0: I want to go back to something. I thought Billy Connors was always kept around because he was dating the porn star Seika. We always thought that's I why he was I knew you were going to bring job.
1: that up. <laughs> <laughs> he was. I think it was Seika. I think he was dating Seika. <laughs> yeah, you are too funny yeah. that you remembered that. Yeah, Well, well you know what? When you're a great pitching coach, you you get dates. You get dates. So <laughs> yeah, no. That that was just part of his legend. <laughs> Now, that was
0: all hey look. We would see him, you know, I grew up outside Chicago. I was a huge Chicago Cup fan. We'd go to a game and Billy Connor's fat ass would walk out there and we would hit each other and go, yep. hey, there's hope for us, baby. He's dating Seika. You know? Like, all right.
1: <laughs> Why do you think I like Jimmy Garoppolo right. so much? That guy's a movie star. He can date anybody he wants. He likes to go out with the uh, the adult stars.
0: Right. Look, you're exactly right. They're not hey, it ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, I gotta get into something. When you were on my show in Indy, um, you said something that I've always believed. Like you put Derek Jeter on the Royals. Uh, Derek Jeter's great. He'd be great, but he ain't Derek Jeter. Manny Ramirez, and then you said Barry Larkin was much better than Jeter. Yep. That caught some steam. And then I just saw where Manny Ramirez said the same thing that I've been saying, which is if Barry Larkin or, excuse me, if Derek Jeter was on the Royals, he'd just be another guy. You started something right. here.
1: <laughs> and I didn't mean to because Derek Derek's a Hall of Famer, and so is Barry. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the, the cream rises to the top. But what my, my point was, listen, you stick Aaron Judge on the Royals right now. You think he's the American League MVP? No. No, right. he's got more protection. He's got Anthony Rizzo is having a, a career year. The Cubs gave Rizzo away. You have got Stanton hitting around him now. Donaldson's not hitting squat, but he's still an All Star uh, and an MVP. You've got just nothing but All Stars in that lineup. But if I put these guys on other organizations that that are you know even even well the, the Orioles actually look really good this year. But if, if you if you stick some of these guys on on lesser organizations and lesser lineups that aren't spending two hundred million. They're not going to have the same numbers now. They may be Hall of Famers, but you need you need all you need protection in the lineup. You need to see certain pitches in certain situations. And listen, Judge is amazing, and De- Jeter was amazing, but you know it, Jeter doesn't win all those championships without Paul O'Neill and Scott Brosius and and Louis Soda, Soho and and Le Ritz and all these other guys. Uh, Tino Martinez. These guys were just grinders absolute grinders so look at you know no no championships for the yankees in the 80s even with all the money they spent they haven't won a championships since 2009 you know with all the money that they spent it's not that easy so you could build super teams you got you could have super careers but you know if you stick them on uh, in other organizations you know it's not that easy he 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 would have had a lot more struggles and he certainly wouldn't have had the guys around him to win championships.
0: That's what I'm saying. And playing in New York and Boston is just different, too, anymore, right? I mean, no?
1: Oh, absolutely, though. You know, the, the one thing that I love, though, is, like, basketball now and the parity you have in the NBA. You know, you can have an Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee and win championships. Uh, you know, you, you can have great players. Uh, John Morant now is surrounded by some really good talent. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't matter where you play. You know, you, you can you can be endorsed by the biggest companies. You, you can win championships. So there's a lot of great parity. But still, you know, there's still the Dodgers. There's still the Yankees. You know, the Mets, thank God for Buck Showalter and, and you know, Steve Cohen buying that franchise because now they have a chance to win championships. But we, we still, you know, baseball's still... Uh, you know, got a commissioner that needs to be changed. You need somebody in there that, that isn't trying to destroy the game, you know, bigger bases, let's get bigger bases. Let's move the mound back up. Can you imagine, you know, saying something like that in the NBA? Hey, you know what? These guys jump out of the gym. And I was just watching some guy that could jump up over the backboard and touch like those, uh, jumping things at the combine, uh, that they do in the NFL and see how, what your vertical jump is. And and all right, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna raise it from ten feet to eleven feet. We're gonna raise it from ten feet to eleven feet, and we're gonna make the basket bigger. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if Adam Silver ever came out and said that crap? I mean, they'd run him out of town so quick it wouldn't be funny. But Rob Manfred, leave it to Rob Manfred. We're gonna do this. We're gonna have robo umpires. We're gonna it, it's it's you know it, it, it's it's taken away uh, from people taking the game serious. You know, they, they think the game's a joke now. You know, so you're getting rid of all the good baseball people. You got all these Ivy League brains, and all they can come up with is uh, let's move the mound back. Do you think right, right now with the pitch counts and lowering, you know, how many times you could throw, even at the little league level and all that other stuff, is that reducing any arm injuries? Absolutely not. In fact, we have an epidemic. I talk to doctors all the time. We have an epidemic from 12 to 18 years old, it's up 350% on Tommy John surgeries and shoulder surgeries. But you know what? These guys will keep talking and saying that they're, they're making a difference when they're really not doing anything. In fact, I think less throwing is probably hurting a lot more of these kids than, than the pitch counts and innings and all the other stuff. I, I just We need to have these kids not play baseball year-round is how we're going to protect them.
0: Dibs, my, my high school coach has been there 42 years. I was on his first team. And he's the winningest coach in the history of the state of Indiana, one of the five, I think, in the country. He's won eight state championships. And he's so pissed off because he's like, look, we don't ever get kids' arms hurt because we throw more, long toss, whatever. And I right. tell guys, go play basketball in the sun, go play freaking AAU, go, you mm-hmm. know. Nah, and then they get, and he's like, every kid, he gets to college and, they have Tommy John because they don't throw he it's, it's it makes him nuts. He got two kids in the big Sean Manaya and Mikey Brazo who's now with Milwaukee. And so he knows a little bit about it. He's every guy that I know yeah. that actually knows baseball, not analytics says exactly what you said. Exactly what you said. Why don't people listen
1: to because. people that know? Well, because I listen to people like Leo Mazzoni, who was a, a professional pitching coach at the Major League level for 18 years, won 14 straight division titles, and and he had three Tommy John surgeries. Now, if you, you listen to him, one of the guys was coming from another organization in the trade, so he didn't even have that guy. He He's had guys go to the Hall of Fame that he coached, and so he knows a little bit about pitching and, and protecting arms and seeing when a guy – is out there laboring. What does that mean? It means that the guy's mechanics are shot for that day. It means that balls are getting rifled to the fence. He doesn't have his best stuff that day. That's when you pull him out of the game. And it doesn't matter if he's got 30 pitches or 130 pitches. You you have to look at people and know their, by their body language whether or not they're they're doing something that could damage their arm. So Leo Mazzoni, when I listen to guys like that, Dan, you know they make sense. You know, they threw their guys every day a little bit, got the blood flowing through there because your body is going to be the best way to heal yourself. And, and, and he didn't get his guys hurt, you know? So yeah, we've, we've been watching pitch counts since I was a player. Uh, they've been watching pitch counts forever. And why, why didn't guys like Bob Gibson and Jim Palmer and guys like that get hurt? And I don't think it was because they threw so many pitches and so many innings because they didn't throw so many breaking balls. They didn't throw so many change-ups. You know, I mean, nowadays, it's totally reversed. I threw probably 70% fastballs, maybe 75% fastballs. Um, almost all the guys that I played with in the National League did the same thing. And, you know, you, you only used off-speed stuff when you set up your fastball. Well, nowadays, you got guys that they throw two change-ups before, before they throw the fastball. They don't even set up the fastball anymore. You know, they don't, they don't establish it anymore. And so, all of a sudden, now the guy, oh, my arms hurt. Yeah, because you threw 70% breaking balls and changeups, and 30% fastballs. So I, I, I think it's really – it's not just philosophy. It's that you have too many people that are like, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm right. Listen, we're all trying to do the same thing. We all want these guys to play 20 years in the big leagues. We all want these kids to get college educations from playing a sport. You know, it's not like we're trying to injure your kid. And I explain that to people. And uh, I, I'm like, listen – I don't have a kid in my program i'm here for your kid i'm here to give your kid information you don't have to listen to me you can go to somebody else i'm fine with that but i i want your kid to have a great life a great career and hopefully love baseball as much as i did.
0: and look whenever i talk to you it's always the same thing how sincere you are about that like i The one thing about baseball, I swear to God, like I swear to God that and the same thing in basketball, maybe it's the same in football. I don't know. But every freaking dad thinks they know everything. I remember my son was like 11, 12, and the the coach at Indiana is a friend of mine, Tracy Smith, and Andrew was thrown in the backyard. He came out and he goes, hey, Andrew, I'm going to give you two things to do so you don't hurt your arm. And they were simple that I didn't know. You know what I mean? Right. Like I thought I—I I, I, right. I didn't try to teach nothing I didn't know, and it—I don't understand why people just don't listen to people that know. I listen to Tracy. I'm like, yeah, Andrew, do that shit. Shoot, let's go. What are we doing? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Well, no. Listen it, uh, again. There's there's a lot of new techniques that I love. Uh, there's a lot of things that that I'm I, I'm kind of hesitant to to use against younger kids. Um, and, and the, the main focus too, Dan, is I listen to doctors. You know, I listen to these people that, yes! you know, have, they have, they have the technology at their disposal, whether it's a motion lab, uh, whether, whether it's the, uh, what's the Alt G, uh, thing for recovery, especially on, on leg injuries and things like that. And these are the experts. I'm not the expert. I mean, I, I did things that probably I shouldn't have done. Um, but but I didn't know any better. But now they can look at you and they, they can say you have a deficiency here in your your scapula, build up your shoulder and hopefully that'll protect your your ulna collateral ligament in your elbow and you won't need Tommy John surgery. But if you do like Justin Verlander, you can still come back at 38 years old and from the the knowledge that you have gained, be a smarter pitcher, be a better pitcher and still be effective. So I, I think it's, it's, you know, there's too much, uh, you know, negativity out there. And, and I'm a positive person. You always say I'm sincere because, listen, I, I'm a spiritual person. It's the way my father and my mother raised me. You know, I, I don't get angry with people. I don't have hate in my heart for people. Um, I, I just try to get people because and, 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 I see the good in everybody. You know, and the one thing that I do kick out of our, pro, our, our program are toxic parents. I won't have parents that put down other kids. I just I can't have it. Kids are, are wonderful, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, and I'm not going to have you put them down because maybe they're not as talented as another kid. That's not what we're about. We're, we're about, I want your kid to get to college. Uh, I just sent two kids to Western Connecticut. John, John Susie over there is amazing. 23 years, almost all of his players graduate. He doesn't have a lot of guys that have gone to the major leagues, but they all play college baseball. They all are great He's trying to build better humans and they're all graduating college to me. That's, that's a winning program. So he doesn't have national championships. I don't care. I'd rather send my kids there than to try to send them somewhere where they, they might sit on the bench at a D one program. So I, I, I'm, I'm all about the kids at this point, Dan.
0: Uh, last thing before I let you go, and that was very well done. That was really good. Uh, I had two kids at my house that are, uh, best of friends with my stepson. I had him here for about a week, and they were a blast. They played at UConn, just graduated, so I make fun of them going, you guys leave, UConn gets good. UConn baseball, you live in the <laughs> state. UConn baseball's damn good now,
1: right? Yeah, Jim, Jim Penders is amazing. And like you said, like the other coach you brought up, he's been coaching at the same place for 40 years. You know, that's Jim Penders. He's been coaching at UConn for 20 years. Uh, he's, he's built an amazing program. He's got a bunch of guys in the major leagues, but here's the thing. This guy finally just got a new stadium at UConn too. After 20 years. And, and, you know, but yeah, he gets yeah. the right kids. He looks for kids that aren't afraid to come to new England. You're going to start the season in the South, which is, which is like a lot of programs, whether it be Michigan and some of the other ones that, you know, cold weather States where you got to go play in Florida for your first you know, month of the season that that's Jim and Jim's not afraid to take on the toughest teams in the country in the first month of the season, not the last month when you have gelled and come together, Jim Penders and, and his coaches are amazing recruiting kids that are wonderful kids. And here's the thing. They almost went to the college world series and their best player was injured all year. Reggie Crawford. Remember that name. Reggie Crawford is a kid that throws, he throws 95 miles an hour and he's as good a hitter as anybody on UConn. And that kid was out the whole year. <laughs> so uh, Jim That's does a great do. job. He does a great job up here.
0: It was fun to talk to these two guys because of the respect they had for their coach. But it was also fun to say, hey, look, you two idiots graduated. And now you got a great – of course, they say they built it, right? That's, you know, I love kids too, but I like giving them a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh,
1: absolutely. I, Listen, my, my love, kids give me crap because they, they see me on MLB the show. They have no idea that I play in the big leagues. They're just like, Coach, you throw a hundred and two on my video game. So yeah, you know, I give. I I had to start playing MLB the show just to get back at my own kids that I'm that are in my program. I don't
0: know. I, I mean. I tell people all the time, and maybe it's not going to happen. I remember saying, you know, at some point, Michael Jordan's just going to be an old man. You know, but apparently, I, I don't know. But we got to get – hey, I love – I I, I love talking to you, Dibs. I do, man. And I texted you last night. You immediately responded. I was so fired up because um, it's just fun. I can tell your passion for baseball and kids and life, man. Thank you so much for the time today. It's
1: awesome. My pleasure, Dan. Be well, buddy.
0: Go do your hair now. Go get that makeup on. You know what I mean? That's dibs. <laughs> Love that man. <laughs> oh, man, I think he's the best. I, he and Danny Pleszak, to me, are the two best guys to talk baseball with because they just have an enthusiasm for it, man. That's what we were talking about with those songs, right? I mean, you got to have a juice for it. Uh, Frank, now this is a guy that doesn't have a juice for it. Listen to this. Frank Gazoda. How come Jan, me, doesn't mention the big lie or the 20,000 told by the prior? Jockage, that's me, is getting senile like his former coach. Knight was fine until he spoke in a Trump rally. And then he went downhill fast like your boy Pervin Meyer. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me. Appreciate everybody on the YouTube chat watching. Appreciate everybody on Twitter. And if you retweet the show, let's go. Let's go. How great was Rob Dibble? I'm telling you, I love, don't like, love talking to Rob Dibble. I think he is one of the most enthusiastic people about baseball, about life, about kids that you're ever going to react. I mean, I hope that you get a chance. Follow him on Twitter. Do me a favor, all you YouTubers or all you Twitters. We tweet our show. I got to get this thing bigger and better. We're doing it and we're doing it big. We're doing it big, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to everybody again on the YouTube chat. Thanks to everybody on Twitter. Um, I love the criticism. I'm not going to lie to you. That last guy, how come Jan, me, doesn't mention the big lie? I, I don't know. I mean, we were just, we were talking about other things. Okay. The big lie. I don't know. This is what I, this is what I've learned now that I've dipped my toe into the political world. The left side doesn't want to just answer to issues. They want to say, well, what about January 6th? Or what about, okay, we can get to that. But this guy was in response to the audio of Joe Biden confirming that he knew about his son Hunter Biden's dealings in China. Doesn't mean I don't know what it means. It just means that Joe Biden lied when he said he didn't know anything about it. But apparently, it's not like, let's address this. It's, yeah, but what about? You guys give me a headache, and I love you for it. I do. All right, speaking of the whatabouts, okay? Um, why is it okay for a drag queen to show up in sports... Or in schools, but not praying in schools. So there's a coach, Joe Kennedy. So Kennedy decides that he wanted to, uh, he was going to pray. You know, on the field after games, and he he gets to keep his job as a public employee. He want, he he prayed. On the field after games, and everybody lost their mind. Oh my God, you can't do that! I, 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 you can't do that. Well, why not? Why can't you do that? Like, church and state? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you win. Church and state. Yay, Rob. Okay. But we're okay with drag queens. See, this is what I've said, and I'll keep saying, and I won't stop saying. We got this whole deal backwards we got everything going backwards, and it's our crazy-ass friends. Like, why would we want to have drag queens in our schools and not prayer? Church and state, okay, I get that. Fine. But this guy's a coach. Let's let him pray. When I went to the center of the football field for what turned out to be the last time, October 26, 2015, I remember the day eight years earlier that I committed to God that I would give him thanks after, at the 50-yard line after every game I coached, win or lose. For the last 2,436 days since I walked off that field because the school district fired me for my players, I've been fighting to get back to my guys. I suppose fighting is just a part of who I am. I grew up on the streets, seemed to always find a way into a fight somewhere. Thankfully, the Marine Corps allowed me to fight for something that truly mattered, Our freedom. Every American deserves someone to fight for them, for their freedom, and I'm so proud to do so. When I got out of the court, I hoped I would find a new team to fight alongside. I didn't know that would be as a high school football coach. High school, I was too small to play football. This is Joe Kennedy, the coach. And there were plenty of other coaches far more qualified to chart the X's than me, but I quickly learned to love my guys. The players I was honored to coach, some of them reminded me of myself, angry at the world, hungry for a meal needing a safe place to sleep that night, and perhaps a new pair of shoes without holes in them. When they got in trouble at home, school, or even with the law, I could relate. Someone needed to fight for them, too. Not everyone has agreed with my fight. That's okay. This is Joe Kennedy, the coach, who the Supreme Court said (coughs) could pray. The American ideal is strong enough for us to disagree and still love each other. As Americans. But we should all agree that no one should be fired from their job just because someone can be seen engaging in private prayer. Fights leave scars. As a boxer (coughs) and mixed martial arts fighter, my nose took a beating from bouts in the ring and the octagon. The pain in this case came from the scars it has left on those closest to me. My wife and kids have taken the brunt of it. When my case started, my kids were attending the school I coached, and my wife was a school district director of human resources. It hurt all of us to go through this, but we did it together. My players felt the pain. For some of them, it meant that no one uh, to stand beside them on their senior night after the district banned me. Why didn't I give up the fight? There was no way that I could. I pushed my guys on the field and never stopped fighting until the whistle blew to always give it everything they have until the last down. I simply could not give up my fight to compromise the commitment I made to God and keep their respect on the field. I had to keep fighting. All right. There's a lot more. Win or lose, when the whistle blows and everyone shakes hands, you'll find me at the 50-yard line on a knee in private prayer. We don't want that around our schools, mentoring, leading, teaching. But we want some dude dressed up as a chick, twerking in front of our children, tucking dollars. I'm telling you, you call me any name you want. We got it all wrong. We're getting it all backwards. That's why I said from the start of this, I love this show. And I thank God every day, I do, every morning that I get to do this show. I do, every morning. When I pull out my Bible, I freaking love being able to do this show where I can comment on things of that nature. I didn't see Malika Andrews break in on ESPN on this historic Supreme Court decision. I didn't see that. All I know is it doesn't fit a narrative. If you want twerking in your schools by drag queens, good for you, man. That's good for you. That's what you want. Great. And it's not like because you want that, that you don't want guys like Joe Kennedy to be able to pray. I totally understand that. I'm not one of the crazy people that's either or, that's trying to provoke a narrative, that's trying to provoke somebody on Twitter. I'm not that. I'm common sense. Always have been, always will be. You can certainly like both. You can certainly do whatever you want to do. It's America, for crying out loud, regardless of what crazy-ass people that Jill Savage yesterday so eloquently spoke about as being insane, and they or at least looking insane, and they are. But I got to tell you, I want more Joe Kennedys. I want more coaches that aren't afraid to mentor. I want coaches that aren't afraid to stand up for personal responsibility. Do yourself a favor. Actually listen. The next time one of these high-priced, big-money college football or basketball coaches talk, actually listen and see what is actually said. See if it's even close to what this guy, Joe Kennedy, went through. Of course it's not. If it were, then you know what you wouldn't have in college football? You wouldn't have Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, all these big money guys. You wouldn't have them trying to, quote, flip commitments on kids. You wouldn't have. If they were honorable men, decent men, committed men to helping others, uh, once a kid committed to Alabama, there would be no flipping. That's what I see. You all see it different. You all say, well, that's part of it. They're doing their job. No, 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 no. Didn't say they weren't doing their job. What I said was, if they were honorable men, they wouldn't do it. I have never one time in my life hidden behind, well, I'm just doing my job when I did something wrong. Not one time. Zero time. That is a cop-out of epic of perform- uh, proportions. That is absolutely a cop-out. I'm just doing my job. Okay. So I did something nefarious. I did something ridiculous. No, that don't work. At least not with me. All right. Maybe with you. And that's great. Go do you, right? Go do you. But the truth of the matter is, I want more Joe Kennedys. I want more dudes that aren't afraid. I want more dudes that say, hey, look, yeah, all right. You fired me. You're mad at me. This is going to be hard, but I'm doing what's right. And I appreciate a Supreme Court that heard it. You know, When you're a kid, right, or even a young adult, I'm taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. How many cases actually get to the Supreme Court? Let me use, I won't do this because I know that's bad, uh, that many. It's like this big funnel comes down and you got barely a hole there for any to get through. I applaud this Supreme Court for hearing the case. I do. I wonder what's gonna happen if it hasn't happened already. I wonder if some parent's gonna stand up and say, you know what, I send my kids to public school. Why is there some drag queen dancing during school hours? And suit. I'm not calling for that. I have brother, sister that are lawyers, uncle that passed away, judges, cops. I got a family full of that. I'm not calling for that. I'm just asking a simple question, like a very simple question. I've never wanted to sue anybody. I get that on Twitter people are going to lie about me. It's been happening forever. You did this, you did that, blah, 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 whatever. But I think I would sue somebody. I think I would. I think I would sue somebody if my kids – um decided, or excuse me, if my kids were in school and all of a sudden they got sent to a pep rally where they had a bunch of freaking drag queens shaking their ass and my kids got to put dollar bills in there. Even if my kids liked it, I think I'd be like, all right, hold on. I'd send my, uh, conversely, I would send my son to go play For Joe Kennedy, I'd send my daughter to go be a manager in his football program. Are you kidding me? We need more. We need far more. You know what I mean? Far more Joe Kennedys than we need twerking frickin' drag queens or naked riding small penis men in pride, quote, pride parades ain't nothing prideful about that. We need law enforcement that says, you know what, man? Celebrate all you want, bro. Celebrate all you want, but you're going to have to keep your clothes on. When you're you're marching downtown Seattle or Toronto or Indianapolis or wherever the hell you march, you're just going to have to keep your clothes on. Not asking that much. How about you have some pride and some empathy for those that have to look at some fat ass small dick man? Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> told you, I told you months ago. We're going backwards. I told you. I told you back in 1979, inflation, right? A dumbass president, Jimmy Carter, gas prices through the roof, stock market, gone to hell, war. Now we're back to that. Hell, I didn't hear the word inflation through the entire four years of Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for me. I don't vote for pigs, but I'll tell you this, I will the next time. Screw that. I ain't voting for this mess, but we're going backwards. Hey, come to school. See the drag queen. Really? All right. How about come to school and learn how to write, learn how to add, subtract, play in a playground. Jeez. Hey, did you see this one? This is off. This is me going off the rails here because I got a couple minutes. Did you see that that Maxwell lady, Giselle Maxwell, is supposedly on suicide watch? What's going to happen? Is she going to get Jeffrey Epstein? Vince Foster? Is she going to get, is she the next? You know, the Clintons are sniffing around. (laughs) What's going on? Are we going to all of a sudden have a security guard out? Like they did with Epstein and the security camera blanked out. Didn't work. What? (laughs) Oh man. Oh baby. Giselle Maxwell, if you don't know who she is, look her up. She is the lady that basically uh, was the pimp for Jeffrey Epstein. She brought the girls. Giselle Maxwell was found guilty 157 days ago. It's now been about 165 of child trafficking and not one client has been arrested. Not one. Zero. Yeah? You think we're all on level ground here? Shoot, I had articles in the paper when I wouldn't go swimming with some woman that wasn't my wife. I think I'll put it out there right now. Giselle Maxwell didn't kill herself. You know it's coming. I mean, look, I can't believe you'd say that, Dockage. That's unbelievable. Uh, Well, I mean, history says, doesn't it? Look up Vince Foster. (laughs) Look up Vince Foster. Apparently, Giselle Maxwell is getting sentenced today. Not one person, not one, has been arrested other than her. Look up sometime if you get a chance the list of the oligarchy around here that we're on Epstein's pedo-pedo island. It includes Trump. He, hey, look, if he did not rest his ass. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with any of it. I'm common sense. I'm down the road. She's gonna be sentenced today, this god-awful, horrible woman. I can't imagine that she's gonna rat. I'm guessing she already did. Don't know. But I do know this. When I saw it, when I saw that Giselle Maxwell was on <laughs> when, when I saw Giselle Maxwell was on Suicide Watch, that absolutely made me laugh. It's like a setup. I don't know, and this will be a hard connection, but back when steroids were in baseball, Mark McGuire tried to get ahead of it by putting this Andrew Steen Dione in his locker so that when reporters saw it and he got muscled up, he's like, yeah, I use Andrew. It was legal. I feel like uh, our – I don't want to say the, the the former president's name and his former wife that ran for president, name, but I feel like everybody's trying to get out in front of it. Lula agrees. I feel like we're trying to get out in front of Giselle Maxwell's demise. She's already on suicide watch. What are you talking about? We couldn't have anything to do with it. Didn't you read that Giselle Maxwell was on suicide watch a month ago? Uh huh. What do we say on this show? Pull this. It does what? It plays jingle bells. So she gets sentenced today. Not one person. Hey Amen. Donald, if Donald Trump did it, put his ass in jail. If Bill Gates did it, put his ass in jail. If Bill Clinton did it, put his ass in jail. If Hillary did it, put her ass in jail. Restore a little confidence in the American people, would you? I mean, it's not like we don't know. So, damn. Not one client has been arrested. Not one. Name me another case like this. International case. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on lists. Not one has been arrested. Hmm. Hillary didn't hook up with children, yeah, did she? know? I don't know. I get it, Ed. <laughs> I get it, but bro. Uh, I need a favor. I give you good entertainment every day for free, right? I would like for you, if you can, to go to my bikes program and give a little money. Now, all you got to do, I'm going to show you the way. You go to Indiana Sports Corp, Corp. indianasportscorp.org, all right, now. IndianaSportsCorp.org is going to take you to this. See it? All right. Right here, it says, Inspire Youth. And the last one right there, Docket Cycles in the City. And there's my smiling face. There's my wife's smiling face. There's a great teacher at Speedway Elementary and a young lady that got a bike. We're trying. Now, I know times are hard, but we're trying, trying to get 500 bikes out to kids. The first 100 I need to get out soon. We've had guys give money. Tony Dungy's been involved. My friend Anthony Calhoun from Wish TV here in Indy's been involved. Uh, Tony Dungy's been involved. I already said that. Doug Collins, the former number one pick, he's been involved. But this is something near and dear to my wife and my heart. Last year we gave away 350. Our goal this year is to give away, uh, 500. I don't know if it's going to happen. Last year, Kelly Clarkson had us on her show and, uh, we gave away, she gave us $5,000. Now I don't even know. That's pretty nice, but you know, um, I really appreciated that. We're a little bit behind in our fundraising. All right. And I'm sad about that, but it is what it is, man. That's where Joe Biden has screwed all of us. He has. It's horrible, this guy. He's killing us. Anyway, um, that's where we're at right there. See it? You go to indianasportscorp.org, and I'm going to share on Twitter and Facebook and everything else our interview with Kelly Clarkson. By the way, I love Kelly Clarkson. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love her. She's awesome. There it is. Dockage cycles for the city. So, I love Kelly. That's my wife. She's hot. Yeah, that's right. Make fun of me all you want. I don't care. But I love Kelly Clark. She gave five grand to us. And uh, you know what? We couldn't be more appreciative. And if you do want to give and you do want to know when we're, you know, when we're going to give our money our money out, uh, frankly, I would love to have people come and look at the kids' faces and just have a great time because it is awesome when you bring a we, we The Indiana Sports Corp are such great people. They'll bring this truck, and Dick Sporting Goods partners with us, and we give away bikes, locks, and helmets. So we get, we get local programs. They can be schools. They can be boys and girls, whatever. YMCAs, we've done it, and we bring a truck. And Molly Wright and Ryan Vaughn are the two folks at the Indiana Sports Corp that are just awesome. So we'll go there, and we'll, we'll line them up, and then kids come out, and they see their bikes, and it's really cool. It's really a fun thing. Some kids are so intimidated and shocked they start crying. They do. Some kids are like, oh, man, this is awesome. And they take off. You know, it's just awesome. And it all goes to kids in Indianapolis that are underserved, underprivileged, whatever words you want to use. I don't care. Look, all I want to do is get kids bikes because it is summertime and kids need damn bikes. The program started when Lee and I, my wife, driving down the street, saw two kids on bikes. One kid wasn't. He was running along. We started talking about bikes. We immediately talked about it on our show. We probably gave away 100 bikes out of our own pocket, maybe more than that. And then the Indiana Sports Corp got involved, and it was freaking awesome. And now it's just taken off. And we're very, very proud to partner with the Indiana Sports Corp. We're very proud. Because they're the people that bring the Super Bowl to Indianapolis, the Final Four to Indianapolis, the Women's Final Four to Indianapolis, that kind of stuff. And it's just fantastic. So anyway... um, I thank you if you've given in the past. I thank you if you give now. Um, you know, whatever you can do. It can be $5. Basically, what it costs is around $225 to $250 per bike because we get brand new bikes, with brand new helmets, and brand new locks. And we work with Dick Sporting Goods to do it. Anyway, what a great show. Rob Dibble was fantastic. Thank you for listening, whether it's on YouTube and watching, whether it's on YouTube or on Twitter. Thanks to Ryan, thanks to Dylan, Davey, and everybody involved. Thanks to Clay and the good folks at Fox News for letting me have this show. I'll be back at it tomorrow from 9 until noon. This has been Don't At Me. I am Dan Dockage, and I'm out.